0: Hello again, and welcome to our podcast, Unboxing Content Marketing. My name is Nina Uusitalo. And I'm Hanna Reinikainen. In today's episode, we delve into policy and research issues and take a look at what kinds of regulation and critical research is needed in the field of content marketing.
1: We've talked about transparency, persuasion, and tagging sponsored content in our previous episodes. And today we touch upon the role policies play in making content marketing visible for consumers.
0: Our guest today is Jonathan Hardy, who is Professor of Media and Communications at the University of East London. Professor Hardy teaches and writes about media industries, marketing communications, policy and media reform. And he has also written a book on cross-media promotion. Professor
1: Hardy stresses the fact that the new media marketing ecology has a wide range of new actors to serve professional communicators. And this ecology is deeply influenced by automated marketing which is bound to change the logics of marketing for everyone as well as research interests.
2: If there was a simpler world, relatively speaking, in which the principal players were marketers, brands, uh, marketing agencies and media companies, um, what is the new world? And we know from lots of visualizations that have been produced that it's a world with a considerable number of added intermediaries. The servicing of professional communications now involves a massive cluster of different kinds of firms. Um, we know that ad buying and selling uh, in the digital world has generated a huge number of Uh, different actors and players. And we also know, and I think it's really important for the future direction of research, that these are processes that are increasingly automated. And that is a challenge and a very exciting prospect for me, because I think not only does it mean we have to empirically map what's happening, we have to constantly revise our conceptual maps. And speaking from someone housed within a critical research tradition, which has often looked at marketers' influence on the media, on journalists, Um, I think introducing automation is a really important challenge because our previous models have been structural. They've looked at the political economy shaping these practices and they've been behavioural. They've looked at human actors and their capacity to operate under rules or ethical norms. What happens when actually... The configuration and the decision-making is taking a more automated part.
1: In addition, Professor Hardy identified another shift that researchers have recognised as well, influencer marketing.
2: If you want to look at branded content, look at the investment uh, brands are making in much more often tenuous uh, sets of relationships with um, influencers. That all requires mapping because it's another service sector, it's another place where lots of professional intermediaries are operating. But I think it also forces us to say perhaps some of our ways of thinking are still too organisation-centric. They still assume, um, even though the world is changing, that we can map relations between institutions. And the challenge, it seems to me, of the influencer argument is to say what happens when that's diffuse, and deprofessionalized and operating in much more fluid ways in terms of the identities and practices of the people involved.
0: Professor Hardy has been one of the founders of the Branded Content Research Network, which has put together a series of seminars to strengthen networking between academics, industry and other stakeholders. You recently took part in one of their seminars in London. I did, and there was an impressive group of industry partners and scholars from different countries. The network has emphasized the need for regulation of branded content and also critical research on content marketing. Professor Hardy underlines that academic research should be in constant dialogue with the industry.
2: The majority of the conversation about branded content has occurred within industry. The majority of scholarship, such as it exists, has been what could be labeled in simple terms affirmative uh, rather than critical. In other words, it's industry supporting in its agendas to uh, assess how to do advertising more effectively. And what I would put under the label critical is to say, what does this all mean for society? What does this all mean for users? What are the other interests? How is the media being affected and reshaped in particular by its changing relationship to advertising? So those were kind of lead motivations for the network. It's not to disparage the work. I think we have much less resource, so we are obligated, seems to me, to learn from the methods and approaches that are being used. But we're also not required to be limited to those, either the framing of the research questions or the conduct. And I would characterise much industry research in this area as fundamentally instrumental. Um, and that is reflected sometimes in the partiality of the results, that are published. Um, So I don't think all the surveys that are conducted by industry that provide fairly reassuring conclusions about user tolerance, user awareness, user identification are sufficient. And I think academic research should be in quite a strong critical dialogue with that research to often look beyond the framing, the parameters, the selectivity Uh, of the uh, design and reporting of the results because it's clear that there's a disjuncture here. Um, We had speakers at our conference carrying out very impressive empirical research which show levels of awareness of native advertising in the low 10%. um, Whereas we get reassuring uh, reports from industry sources Um, which suggests there's no need for a tightening up of labeling and identification and regulation. That's a disjuncture, Um, and I think that what we can do productively there is um, strengthen our own research and engage in dialogue across research, which is, again, another key motivation for the network.
1: So even though a lot of research has been done in the industry on marketing effects, Professor Hardy feels that there is a need for independent academic scholars as well.
0: Absolutely. And he also feels academic research on branded content has a specific role in relation to politics and policymaking.
2: I was always surprised how little comparative research on advertising has been conducted. I recall a study in the 1970s by a British media lawyer who was funded by an American tobacco company who underpinned the research just to look at what advertising rules were across Europe. And that seems to me a very unsatisfactory place to be. So I've always been really interested, uh, as a researcher myself and for the network, to try to build up um, collaborators so that we can put right the need for independent scholars to do that mapping. That's not to disparage the work of industry and commercial. We all rely on it and it's been immensely valuable and it's certainly not uncritical but it's very important I think that, uh, that more independently based academics particularly ones who are uh, listening to concerns in civil society and in consumer areas um, reflect that in their work. When I talk to politicians and policy makers they often value that academics can bring research which has the credibility and voice from that independence because they know many of the other people lobbying them have clear interests and are pursuing often quite narrow lines. So I I think we often underestimate the capacity that academic research can bring. Um, It comes from not always being well listened to by politicians and policymakers, but I think that's, again, a motivation for the network to try to put academic research into public forums and into influencing policy and policy networks.
1: Policy and regulation are one of Professor Hardy's main areas of research, and he feels that media regulation is not up to date when it comes to branded content.
2: I... um, join an argument which says transparency and identification are critical issues. And that points to a set of concerns about labelling identification and awareness and points to proposals to make those better. But I want to say at the outset, I also have an argument which says that focus displaces other concerns which are important too. In other words, Uh, Many of the regulators, the Federal Trade Commission in the United States, uh, European Consumer Protection Law, its local version in nation states in this area, uh, focuses on consumer welfare. And that displaces the issue of what does this mean for media? The media regulatory culture has not got to grips with the integration of advertising. Historically, the way the press has been subject to self-regulation, the way broadcasting is regulated, hasn't done enough, it seems to me, to deal with the integration of brand speech, commercial speech.
0: Professor Hardy also points out that native advertising and branded content may sometimes damage the integrity of communications channels. For instance, if branded content is not labeled well enough.
2: I pick um, a quaint phrase used by um, public relations, the American public relations um, guide, which says essentially public relations practitioners shouldn't do anything which undermines the integrity of a channel of communication. Um, I guess when that was written, that means things like bribing journalists to cover your story. If you're in PR and you're going to generate earned media, uh, you should respect the channel. But I think that concept is very important. Uh, Some native advertising, some forms of branded communication um, damage the integrity of the communication channel. They have effects on the media. Part of that is about how they can be better labelled, but better labelling them (laughs) doesn't capture all of the damage.
1: That's an interesting point, because if a channel of communication goes sour for
0: users, they might abandon it altogether. Exactly, and Professor Hardy has some ideas on how the regulation for advertising and content marketing in the 21st century communications should be set up.
2: It seems to me that societies have always set some limits on the right to advertise. Uh, Liberal societies recognise the role of advertising in facilitating information and awareness and and enjoyment of goods and services, Uh, so advertisers have freedom, but that freedom has some limits Society has made rules on where you can put a poster, uh, going back to the 19th century, for instance. And in the 20th century, it set rules for how far brands can appear in television programs. Um, We need to have the conversation about what the rules should be for 21st century communications as they evolve. So the first area is identification and labelling consumer welfare. The second issue, which I think is displaced and we really need to contribute to, is what does this all do for publishers, for media, uh, both legacy media and new social media platforms. Um, And the third area is to say what limits should there be on marketer's voice, marketer's power of voice uh, in spaces. Marketers are privileged in being the one group that can communicate by virtue of paying for the privilege to do so. Um, we've set rules which put important limits on how voice is distributed across democratic societies, Um, imperfect as that's been. Going forward, it seems to me, if we don't have a a roadmap and some rules, um, brand voice will extend in ways which are seriously damaging, not just for consumer welfare, but for citizens, for civil life.
0: So he acknowledges both the history of regulation and the entire field of media when thinking about branded content. And he thinks that any regulation should take this broader view into account.
2: I, um, as a media historian, uh, like others, I'm always interested in the of regulation. And there's no doubt that um, certainly in the UK, and I would say um, in most other European countries, Finland included, um, th- that uh, the regulations that have occurred built up around discrete, separate media do not join up in a converged world and that the differences are interesting and important and need to inform arguments about the extent to which we do need better converged regulation. So we know that under European rules, um, brand paid presence in television programmes by and large, there are exceptions, uh, should be signalled at the beginning, middle and end of programmes. And in the UK, there's a standard universal logo, a P sign, which has to appear when there's paid placement. So, in the heavily regulated world of television, there is a single standard logo. In the world of publishing, no such equivalent applies. Um, And what's in debate is whether... Um, we need a, a more clearer and consistent set of labelling. All the research, seems to me, says we do. A third of British readers are annoyed getting to the end of a story before they realise it was a paid promotion and sponsored. Even higher, 43% in the United States. So, yes, we need clearer labelling, and that's an important debate. This is not about, it seems to me, plucking solutions which served earlier eras of regulation. We have a debate often about top-down regulation, command and control, sometimes called in English, um, hard regulation, or a bottom-up approach which is about empowering users through media literacy. We need both. Um, Whatever the future, it seems to me it'll be a complex one, and there are a number of reasons for that. It will be complex because what we're seeing and what we're trying to track are rapidly changing and evolving forms in which brands connect to communication.
1: I think the concept of converged
0: regulation is very interesting. And I like the fact that in addition to regulation, Professor Hardy calls for media literacy to tackle the complex future of branded communication. That's all for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned and subscribe our podcast. There's much more to come. Bye for now. Bye.